Welcome to the Open Door Podcast and Happy Easter. Christ is risen and we had a wonderful weekend. It was great to worship with folks at Garfield Community Farm yesterday, outside, um, with masks on, socially distanced, mostly. I saw a couple hugs happen. So happy to be together, though. And um, we also worshiped on Zoom again at 1030 uh, in the morning and had a good group there. And this is the sermon that was preached by me um, on Zoom at 1030. I hope this sermon, if you haven't heard it yet, is a blessing to you as we enter into this Easter season, not just a day, but a whole season of celebrating the resurrection that is present all around us. The music on the podcast this week is a pretty old recording at the open door uh, live by our band, This Side of Eve, song that we wrote years ago and, uh, We'll play the full thing at the end. You can check out our music at thisideofeve.com. And uh, come worship with us next Sunday um, at Garfield Farm at 9 a.m. or on Zoom. You can find that info on the church's website, pghopendoor.net. We have two passages that I'm going to read today. One is from the lectionary. Um, It's a passage from Acts. And this one from Luke is not one of the lectionary passages, though the the same story, but from the gospel of Mark is in the lectionary. I'll tell you in a little bit, in a minute, why I chose the Luke passage instead. So, God, we pray that you would open your word to us this morning, even as we continue to be in our own homes, um, in our own sacred spaces, our living room, our dining room, our bedroom, whatever it may be. We pray that your spirit would be with us and would allow this word from your scriptures to sit with us, to uh, instruct us and teach us. And um, Jesus, we pray that you would be with us through this word. Amen. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all the things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. And I have to point out my favorite part of of this scripture might be the list of women, and it says, and the others. How many were there? 
we have no idea, but there were many women who trusted, went to the tomb and came back to the apostles with the good news that Jesus had risen. But the apostles, the men, did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up, ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. And from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 10, 34 through 43, well, that last passage ended with Peter. Um, this one begins a bit later in the story with Peter again. Peter began to speak to the crowd. He was in, in Jerusalem speaking to a large crowd. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does, does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Christ, Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus to Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing who, all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God, we thank you for this word that you've given us for this hope that we have in the resurrection. Help us to know it even in these dark times. Help us to know that you are bringing us to a new light, that you are bringing us out into the open, into your resurrection, into hope. In Jesus, you're doing this. Amen. So as followers of Jesus, it is our vocation to bear witness to the resurrection of Jesus. And I'm going to come back to that word over and over again, vocation. That's exactly what Peter is doing in Acts 10. He's bearing witness to a vocation that God has placed on his life, bearing witness to the resurrection. The statement, Christ is risen, is the most important and defining statement we can make. With this declaration, Christians proclaim innumerable things about Christ's victory over sin, our access to freedom found in forgiveness, and about the love of God in all of creation. Resurrection is the fulfillment of Jesus's desire for the kingdom of God to come to earth as it is in heaven. 
through the resurrection, we know that the kingdom is possible and it's our vocation to bear witness to it. As a historical event 2000 years ago, this single event can seem distant, right? It can feel hard to fully grasp. It's a matter of faith. It's not a matter of fact. It can't be argued or proven. I can't today prove to you that Jesus rose from the dead 2000 years ago. But what if resurrection was designed by God into creation, into all of it, into our lives and into everything God has made? What if resurrection is just a part of God's design? What if following in the way of Jesus is all about bearing witness to Christ's resurrection that's all around us, that so many of us are missing? I think it's our vocation to bear witness to this resurrection. Luke, he's like a documentary filmmaker. We read from his gospel. And then the Acts of the Apostles was also written by Luke. And the movement from the gospel into Acts is really important because there's no other gospel that goes directly into what happened after the resurrection. Luke, though, continues on in, in, the, in Acts. So important and so fascinating to be able to, to read the whole thing. We know that Luke was a doctor who personally knew Paul and many of the other apostles. He made it his purpose in life or his vocation to record as much with as much accuracy the details, the stories shared by those closest to Jesus. It seems that the apostles and Luke, the documentarian, all wanted to do their best to provide evidence that Jesus was who they were saying he was. So Luke took notes. He wrote everything down. He, he interviewed people. Peter testifies in the book of Acts, in this story written down by Luke, um, Peter testifies what Jesus did, that he was crucified and that he rose from the dead. Peter testifies over and over that he and others okay. ate and you, drank you with Jesus. Go ahead and mute if you're unmuted. Not sure who that is. That's okay. Um, Jesus ate and drank with the, the disciples and the apostles. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty powerful. Our, our practice as a church, one of our practices is to eat with one another. Even post-resurrection, it was Jesus's practice to eat with others. Pretty cool. It seems that the apostles and Luke all wanted to provide evidence. And the fact that Jesus ate with people seemed like really good evidence that he was alive. Peter testifies through the book of Acts what Jesus did, right? In our short passage, we hear Peter call himself a witness twice. And he uses the word testify, like a witness giving a firsthand account in a, court, in a courtroom. Witness is in the Greek, 
it, the the noun is martyres. It's connected to the word martyr. A martyr bears the ultimate witness to Christ. And then it's also the same word is used as a verb, martyrastai, but this time they they add the word dia martyrastai. So this word means to fully testify completely. Peter is fully testifying everything he has into this, uh, into this sermon that he gives about the resurrected Christ. The first thing that Peter wants all to know is that Jesus's victory over sin and death was revealed to him to be for all people. I love that Peter starts that way, not just for the Jews. Jesus was not just for some select few, but for all nations. It says in verse uh, 34 and 35, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to God. Chapter 10 of Acts is Peter's proclamation to the world. It reveals to all people why Jesus was not only a Jewish prophet, but the savior for all who call on his name. Peter then goes on to testify about what Jesus did in Judea and Jerusalem for those people who maybe hadn't yet heard the stories of the miracles, the healings, and setting people free from oppression. The life of Jesus was a foreshadow of the resurrection, of what the resurrection would bring to all of humanity. Jesus's miracles, healings, and especially his setting people free from oppression. It says oppression by the devil, oppression of evil. That's what the resurrection does in the, in the world today. Peter proclaims that through the death and resurrection of Jesus, all people are given access to this, this freedom that we can all have. Peter and Paul, all the apostles became awakened to this, to what God was doing in the world through the resurrection. This awakening changed their lives. These men and women pursued the risen Christ in all the world, even though they would never again see him in person. But they were awakened. Can you remember a time when you felt awakened to the divine, to Christ, to God? Is there a moment in your life when something happened and you knew divine love and acceptance like never before? Maybe you have a story um, your testimony, just like Peter is giving testimony about God's undeniable love for you. Maybe you struggle to verbalize God's love incarnate in your life. Maybe the courtroom test, uh, terminology that Peter uses in our passage is difficult for you. I have to admit, it's hard for me, that courtroom terminology. My relationship with God is not something I can prove. Yours isn't either. It's not something um, that we can go into a court with and, uh, and win, probably. 
the most intimate times that I've had with God are not even things that I can easily talk about. They're beyond words. They're bigger than words. And yet those times in some ways are simpler than words, too simple for words. You and I cannot testify in the same way that the apostles did 2000 years ago, those who ate and drank with the man, Jesus. It's been thousands of years since anyone could talk about eating and drinking with the risen Christ. So how are we awakened to Christ? And how can we bear witness to the love of God in the world, the risen Christ at work in creation today? This idea of being awakened to God is something that catches hold of me. It was a guy who goes by Scott the painter uh, who asked, how can I become awakened to where God is? He's talking about our, basically our vocation in the world is to become awakened to where God is. And I would say what God is doing. And it was my, one of my seminary professors who would always say, he would always ask the question or state, kind of state the question, this question in a new way. He, he would say, the question is not what would Jesus do, but what is Jesus doing? The Christian life is bearing witness to a God active in our lives and in the world. So have you been awakened to the love of God? active in your life? I'm personally only able to live this way of Jesus that we talk about if Christ is active in the world. Some people think that living the, quote, way of Jesus is just a way for us more progressive Christians who maybe some we don't even believe in God anymore, but we still want to follow this guy, Jesus, who did good things. We still want to do those. You know, we still want to try to live that way. For me, that's not true. And if you're in that place right now where following in the way, the footsteps, the, the actions of this man, Jesus, is all you have to hold on to in your faith right now, that's really good. But for me right now, I can't even do those things without having faith that there is a a universal love that that is God and is in creation and is supporting us in that way. For me, it's only possible if I know the resurrected Christ is infused in all of our lives and in creation. Resurrection has to be an ongoing realization in the world. From there, the Christian life is about bearing witness, just like Peter and Luke are talking about, bearing witness to what God is up to in our world. This is our vocation as followers of Jesus to proclaim resurrection, to proclaim divine love that is bringing about restoration and resurrection. It's about bearing witness to the resurrected Christ in all of life and in all of creation. Creation itself bears witness to the resurrection all the time. We were out up at the farm and there are flowers coming out of the ground after a long, cold winter, bearing witness that 
that Christ is alive. God built, uh, God designed creation to bear witness. Now, I need to be honest here. When I talk about bearing witness to the resurrection, I'm not talking about proclaiming some Christianese platitudes about how blessed we are and seeing every good thing that happens to us as signs of the resurrection. Now, sometimes a really, really small and simple thing can be exactly what we need and we feel God's presence because of that good thing. That's great. But I hear too many people talking about being blessed when there's still so much work to be done in the world for those who are not feeling blessed. I don't mean evangelizing the lost in some colonialized expansion of Christendom. We can look past at our history and see so much that we've done wrong in the name of evangelism. Christians in America especially are guilty of this. There are so many isms, and I have them all listed here in front of me, and I'm not even going to read them. So many isms that tragically have been connected to the ism uh, of American evangelicalism. So many words that are connected to it in a negative way. So our proclamation of the resurrection is even more important in the face of a wounded Christianity in this country. The Jesus who we worship was murdered by a police state, a colonial empire, using capital punishment. He ate not with the leaders, not with the wealthy and the strong. He ate with the poor. He touched and healed sick people and he loved them. He spoke out against oppression and set people free from it. The resurrection of Jesus is about proclaiming life where our world sees only death. The resurrection is about finding hope for those people who cannot see it because death is all around them. As followers of Jesus, our vocation is to bear witness to a loving God in any way possible. Today, that is with words of kindness, with acts of justice and mercy, with practices of listening to those who've been silenced, Practices of learning from those who've been told their story isn't the right story. Resurrection is only needed when death is a reality. Jesus didn't ascend and avoid the pain of death. Jesus journeyed through it all just as we journey through it all. What if death isn't as much the enemy but death allows us to experience resurrection. Injustice and sin, those are enemies that Jesus stood against. The struggles and pain and heartbreak in our lives are not to be avoided, though, glossed over or hated. Rather, those hard times, what we've all been through, allow us to experience beauty 
of rebirth, of restoration, and of resurrection in our lives. This doesn't mean that death is good, that evil is actually somehow good. No, Good Friday was anything but good. The death of Jesus was a heinous act of ultimate sin. The state-sponsored murder of any human for the sake of power is evil. Lynchings and the death penalty, police violence and murder are the evils that Jesus enters into on the cross, as well as all the sin of the world. In the face of these most intense evils, Jesus is resurrected. I saw on Facebook a man, a pastor who I grew up with in church, posted something that I found difficult uh, yesterday. He said that uh, something like this, that Good Friday is not a day to mourn, it's a, it's a festival. It's not for me. Easter is the festival. Good Friday, we mourn because we come to the reality of our sin and recognize that a, an innocent man died for it. Saturday is silent, leading in to the ultimate festival of Easter. The resurrection of Christ is the victory over sin, the victory over death. The resurrection of Jesus may have been the ultimate event, but it is reflected over and over again in our world and in our everyday lives. So as followers of Jesus, we're to be constantly entering into the hard places as well as the beautiful places, the hard places, the good Fridays of people's lives and pointing them toward resurrection, toward beauty, toward the possibility for healing and restoration. Resurrection is present all around us. We don't have to look far to find it. It is in the simplest of things as well as the most complex of things in nature, in the universe, in our own lives. The human ability to heal from trauma. Resurrection is all around us, especially today as we're coming out of the hardest year of our lives. Some, for some, it's been much harder than others for sure. I know some of us here today, I know some of you have had excruciating uh, 14 months, two years, whatever it may have been for you. So look for the resurrection. Look for a God who is love, still infused in this creation and in your life. Expect it. Bear witness to it. Give name to it for your, for your own sake. Give name to goodness and beauty when God gives it to you. As followers of Jesus, we have the amazing vocation of bearing witness to the life-giving power of the resurrection. My friends, 
Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Amen.
You can grab a seat.